0: It's so nice to be with you all. Thank you for inviting me to join you at Richmond. I have um, never preached here before, but I have been a part of you guys from afar with many of my dear friends being part of your rich history here at Richmond ever since your revitalisation. And it's been really encouraging to hear so many wonderful stories over the years of the ways that you guys have been so creative and faithful and engaging with your community. You've really encouraged our whole Baptist movement to think outside of the box and to look at how we can do church and community differently. I'm sure for you, guys, like every church, COVID has meant that some of that might have taken a bit of a back step or looked a bit different. And so uh, it's my prayer that you will be encouraged in the coming weeks and months as we start to move into another phase of pandemic slash post-pandemic. I don't know what we're allowed to call it at the moment, but I hope that some of that um, will continue to build for you as you have this transition time with Nath coming along. Um, I don't know what is wrong with you guys, you just keep raising up such excellent leaders that they move on and do amazing things in the Kingdom of God, so good on you, but I grieve with you the uh, sadness of uh, losing people that you love, but we're overjoyed to see the leaders that you have um, grown within this church. Uh, We've got two of them at our um, campus at Broadview, Rachel and Andrew Foster, are just a delight to work with and do life with, and so... We really, um, the movement owes you a gratitude of debt for the way that you raise up and take care of your leaders, so thank you for that. Um, So as you can have seen with that little boy who was racing up to your instruments, uh, 16 months ago, something changed in my life and I became a new mum. In that last 16 months, I have met so many new people, from mums groups to play groups and just all sorts of different contexts, and I think I have been asked this question over and over again, and... I have identified it as the number one question of social dread. So tell us a bit about yourself, someone will say. (laughs) And I will think every time I'll get a little grip in my stomach, bye hun, Um, and I will think, oh gosh, how do I sum up who I am in two neat sentences? When you're sitting around a mum's group, what do I fit in that's really what people wanna hear? What do I fit in that's gonna be a good answer? As much as I longed to be a mum, and I did for seven long years, Is that all that I am? Is the career that I've put on hold even a part of me anymore? Do people want to hear that I'm Croatian, what my family looks like, where my home is, what skills and abilities I have or how much hags I consume? Maybe at some point you too have struggled to define yourself when someone has asked this simple question. And I think how we define our identity seems to be a growing topic of conversation in our society at the moment. We can be quick to publicly identify ourselves by some key ways, can't we? Often, it will lead with our career or our accomplishments. Perhaps for some people, their property portfolio, their political leanings, family background, race, relationships, gender, and even in recent times, something as random as our vaccination status has come to define who we are in conversation with strangers. And when it comes to our identity, which is at the core of who we are and has been such a big part of my journey with Jesus, which is partly why I've chosen these verses today. Uh, When it comes to identity, I think that culture has sold us two big fat lies, two competing lies, in fact. The first lie is that if we just work hard enough and hustle with everything that we've got, we can, in fact, build a strong and reliable identity that we can be known by and rely on. And the second is that if you can't let achievement define you, then you're destined to be defined by your lack of achievement, by the circumstances you've fallen victim to, by your failures and by your mistakes. So many of us perform and make decisions and live our lives based on what will look good. I know I have done this over and over again in my own life. We base things on what will make us feel secure and what will get us approval from the people around us. When things are going well, it's pretty easy to think that we have actually built a pretty strong and secure identity. We don't like to face it, though, but much of what we base our identity on can be taken away in an instant. Circumstances can change, quickly redefining us against our wills, redefining our delicately crafted identities. As we've seen through the recent um, years of pandemic, through the floods earlier this year in different states in our country and with war breaking out in Ukraine, the worldly things that we place our identity in, safety, health, wealth, connection with loved ones, all of these things can disappear so quickly, leaving us to wonder, well, who am I now? And so it's vital that we look at what God invites us to put our identity in. So if you'd like to open up your Bibles or on your phones and have a look today at the letter to the Ephesians, it's a passage that's been speaking to me this year and has a lot to say about our identity. The Ephesians are a bunch of new Christians. They're living life together, trying to figure out what does life look like in a church plant, in a country and in a city that absolutely has no time for Jesus. Here in this letter, Paul challenges them and I believe that today he still wants to challenge us to stop striving, to stop trying to define our identity the way that the world tells us to. And instead, Paul invites them and he invites us. This morning, he invites you to rest in a life-changing truth. Paul tells us that if we let God love us, truly let Him love us, And let the Gospel story reshape us from the inside out that God gives us a brand new identity. God's love redefines us. And if we let it, a new identity in Christ shapes who we are and how we live our day-to-day lives. So let's read chapter one, verse three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Paul begins by praising God for spiritual blessings that we have in King Jesus. When we think of blessings, we often tend to think of tangible blessings. I know I do. On a cold day like today, I think of blessings like heating, warm running water, a roof over my head, things that make life comfortable like income, security, safety, opportunities, the relationships that mean the most to me. And these are all good things that we should be thankful for. We should give thanks for gas-heated water in the morning. But these types of blessings are not universal. I'm sure we are all starkly aware, and in my work um, with the most vulnerable people at Mission Australia and Baptist Care, um, we are aware in South Australia, aren't we, that not everyone has access to these sorts of blessings. Not everyone woke up this morning. In fact, 250 men, women and children woke up across our CBD this morning really cold, if they slept at all without food, without a a shelter or a soft place to lay their head. And so these tangible blessings, because they're not universal, they cannot possibly be what Paul is praising God for in this letter that is still speaking to us 2,000 years later. Instead, he is thanking God for universal spiritual realities, blessings that we all have access to in Jesus. In Jesus, anyone, anywhere can enjoy peace with Him. Anyone, anywhere can enjoy a restored relationship with God. Anyone, anywhere in our entire globe and throughout history can enjoy salvation, redemption and hope that have been given to us in Jesus. But what do we mean when I say in Jesus, in Christ? Well, King Jesus and these blessings that we're talking about today are a package deal. They come together, they're wrapped up in Him. You can't have these blessings and choose to completely ignore Jesus. You access them by accessing Him. The blessings are wrapped up in the person of Jesus and being in Christ means that because you choose to have a relationship with Jesus, everything that He has is yours. As you follow and walk with Him each day, He shares every spiritual blessing with you. When we think about how blessed we are as humans to even have those words be true of us, it takes my breath away that the God of the universe chooses to share every spiritual blessing with us here gathered today. Following Jesus blesses us and changes us because it's only in Christ that we find out who we truly are and what we're living for. And if we've learned that before and perhaps this morning we're thinking, oh, I feel like I did know that before but I've really grown dry in my feeling that I know what I'm living for or who I am, then God's words again invite us to reflect on them and let Him whisper to our spirit today who we truly are this morning at Richmond Baptist and what we are living for. Paul challenges us and I think he wants to challenge each one of us today to let go, to actively put down What is at the top of your list of things that currently identify and define your identity? Maybe these things are coming to mind really quickly. Maybe there's something that you've just achieved or just purchased that's really quickly started to define you. Maybe it's uh, a home for the first time that you've purchased and now you're defined as a homeowner. Maybe you've got something you wanted for a really long time like I did and becoming a parent Maybe you have got a promotion you've worked really hard for, something that has crept into top place. Or maybe there's something that's changed recently in your life that you're very aware um, was defining you that you've lost. Maybe you've been made redundant in a role. Maybe a relationship has ended. Paul challenges us to choose to lay down those things that have been at top place. And instead, to actively choose today to identify above all else, good or bad, as one who is in Christ. So I want to look today at three spiritual blessings that we have as people in Christ and how they shape our identity and lives. So firstly, in Him, in Christ, we are loved, we are chosen and we are included. Verse four tells us, for He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and His will to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one that He loves. Paul tells us that the cornerstone of this identity that we are building is that in Jesus, we are loved, chosen and included. But just as incredibly, he tells us that this has been true for a very long time, not since uh, your degree was finalised or not since you made up with a family member, but before the creation of the world, these things were true. So what does this mean to you? It means that your life is not just a cosmic coincidence, just a blip on the radar, just here to grasp at pleasure, pass away and be no more. This blessing is the deep knowledge that your existence is precious to the God of the universe. You were pre-planned and longed for by Jesus. God didn't decide to love you or become your father after you came along and impressed him with all of your hard work and achievements and hustle, all of the things that you hold so tightly in your hands and would offer him as shiny little treasures. He wanted you before that before you could achieve or accomplish even one thing and if you never do, God shows you and loves you as his child. One day I'm going to tell my little boy Tommy something really similar, that Dan and I didn't choose to have him because we knew that he was gonna grow up to be an amazing guitar player or a wonderful uh, footballer or a plumber or a doctor or a great friend. We will tell him that we longed for him for so long before He came into our lives. And we longed for Him just so that we could love Him and know Him for who He is. And that's exactly the heart that God has for each one of us. The enemy would love you to think this morning as my words wash over you. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that before in church. I'm just an insignificant coincidence. I'm an afterthought of God's at best, but that's a big fat lie from the enemy. He would hate for us to harness this glorious truth of God's, you know, ancient, from before the creation of the world, love for each individual person, not for you as a broad term of Richmond Baptist, but for you, Sophie, for you, Josh, for you, Caitlin, you yourselves. This truth, God tells us in this truth that He loves us, was intentional, and that it gave Him joy, great joy, to choose you. God wants to have a relationship and a meaningful, ongoing, interactive relationship with you just because of who you are, not because of anything you can offer Him or impress Him with. And I believe that a blessed and a secure identity, one that will hold us through the storms in life, begins by knowing the love that the Father has for us deep within us. And you are invited today and every day to live out of this secure identity as a beloved child of God. So I wonder today, is your identity today? already firmly rooted and established in this truth that God chose you. You might wonder if that really matters, if it's, you know, firmly on that, if that's your number one anchor. I believe that it does matter because I think whether subconsciously or consciously, we are spending all of our time, our resources, our emotional energy Every part of our lives pushing in one direction. And if it's if we're not informed by God's love, I believe that direction is seeking love and seeking approval and seeking being okay and seeking being good enough. When that is our reality, that's all that we can do. All of our attention is over here. And you have too much to offer as an individual in a community to be wasting your time in the wrong direction. Every decision that you make with your time is important. Every decision you make with your financial resources, your emotional resources, your ability to have relationships, if it's all going over here to make sure that you're okay, it's a waste. It means you're living to create and maintain your own sense of identity. But if you choose to stop striving, if you jump off of that escalator, if you choose to rest each day in what is already true of you and has been true of you before you took your first breath that you are loved, accepted, chosen by God, then you are free, free from life in that direction, free to live out of this rich identity that God has given you, a secure identity that changes things for you with that freedom, but also freedom that changes things for the people in your lives. Imagine the sorts of friendships you could have if instead of being worried about what you're going to get out of a conversation with someone, you were here only to serve and love other people. Imagine what difference our lives would make with our money if instead of me trotting off to Hague's to emotionally eat after my <laughs> stressful work day or running off to Kmart or Country Road or wherever it is to go and buy something that makes me feel that okay feeling for just a minute if instead I was freed without money to do whatever God told me to do. Everything about our lives changes when we look at our identity. And this is just the first blessing we're looking at today. So, secondly, we read today that in him we have redemption. Let's look at verse seven. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. We have redemption, friends, from a God who lavished his grace upon us when we had nothing to offer and could never deserve it. I love this word lavished. It reminds me of a baker with a giant wedding cake and just the thickest ganache frosting you can imagine. Not like a little bit of, you know, frosting, but like slapping it on there, just lavishing His grace and love into our lives. The Gospel, God's good news, is not that you were a broken, selfish human being choosing your own way, hurting yourself, hurting other people, but you tried really, really hard and one day you did it. You cracked the code and you saved yourself. That is not God's good news because it's impossible. I don't know about you, but every time that I personally try to be perfect and I do happen to try to do this quite a lot in life, it's a very silly habit of mine, um, even in small ways like trying to quit sugar for a week, I fail just terribly terribly over and over and over again. So for me, the idea of working hard enough to never lie, to never hurt someone that I care about, to never selfishly choose my way over God's way, that seems and is impossible. Paul tells us we cannot save ourselves, but there's one who can and there's one who did, and that is our good news. In Ephesians 2.1, we read, you were dead in your sins, living the way you used to live, doing your own thing. And verse five, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead, dead as a doorpost in our sins, it is by grace that we have been saved. If you don't truly grasp and know about this spiritual blessing of redemption, of God's work to save us in Christ, if you think it is all still down to you, you are going to feel hopeless, exhausted and convinced that God is mightily disappointed in you. Maybe you feel that way sitting here amongst us today, that God is disappointed in you, in your life, disappointed in what you do, do or don't do. But this is not the case The spiritual blessing of lavish redemption and grace that we read about in Ephesians is beautiful news because it means that in Jesus, we can enjoy freedom from guilt. We don't have to constantly feel like a wretched disappointment to God or to ourselves, always trying, trying, trying to be good enough to overcome our own brokenness by sheer muscle power. We can do a lot, but we cannot do that. And we can't do it because we were never made to do it. We don't have to feel this way because all of our bad decisions, all of our sins, the ways we haven't lived, the way Jesus calls us to, all the times we choose our way over God's way, all of this is already now forgiven because of Jesus Christ's perfect life, His death and His resurrection. He has redeemed us. And as redeemed people, The beautiful mystery for recovering perfectionists like me and perhaps some of you is that as we stop trying so hard, we actually start to look like Jesus. We don't live like Jesus by willing ourselves to change. We change by remembering who we are and whose we are. I don't know about you, but even as I read those words, I start to relax in myself that daily reminder that it's not down to me. We've been given so much in Jesus as well as our redemption. Thirdly, I want to read today that in Him we have received an eternal inheritance. Verse 13 says, When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. The last spiritual blessing I want to look at is the presence and the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. I don't know about you, uh, if you've ever looked towards an inheritance, I was always really taken in the movies as I grew up by those stories of people, especially in Jane Austen movies, actually, in books, where there was always some mysterious inheritance coming out of the blue for someone that changed the course of their life, enabled them to buy the big house on the hill and be free from all of their debts, Uh, We look forward to, as Christians, an eternal inheritance in the kingdom of God with King Jesus. The hope of this kingdom, thank God, is that one day all will be set right. There will be no more crying, no more suffering, no more injustice. 250 men, women and children will not be sleeping rough in our CBD in little old Adelaide. There will be no more pain because we will be living a resurrected life with the resurrected Jesus. Our inheritance is the presence of our loving God, a relationship with Him to be enjoyed fully, forever. And the Holy Spirit is the way that we experience God's power, His closeness and His love here and now while we wait. He is the guarantee of this inheritance that we have put all of our hope in. I think this is so generous of God. Uh, I, for one, definitely, desperately need this guarantee. Uh, More times than I can count in life, because I might uh, be in ministry and be a pastor's wife, and whatever that means to some people in terms of how much I should or shouldn't have it together. Um, I definitely don't have it together, and circumstances can hoodwink me as fast as the next person to remind me, "Oh, I don't have it together. Oh, everything's going, you know, in the wrong direction in life." All I have my hope in can easily disappoint me. Even just very embarrassingly, let me open up about a goal that I had with you. I decided (laughs) that before I turned 40, uh, I wanted to be like all the impressive smart people in my family. Oh, going for approval here. Um, And I um, was given a very small inheritance, like a little pre-inheritance from my grandpa, just something to help us buy something for Tommy. And I thought I'd be really smart. Instead of buying like... My sister bought a uh, learning tower that her little boy can stand in and something else for the the garden. I was like, I'm not buying a swing set. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put this small (laughs) inheritance into stocks because that's what smart people in my life do. And I feel like if I could start learning about the stock market, that could be, I mean, that could help me retire one day. That could be part of Tommy's inheritance. So I did it. I pressed the button on the internet banking and put what could have been used for something tangible and lovely for Tommy into stocks to build up his inheritance. Um, And then the war in Ukraine broke out. And my inheritance that I put my hope in for Tommy uh, is nothing now. I mean, I don't know if it's... I haven't learned enough. I'm sure it's not possible for stocks to go into debt. But it looks bad enough that it almost looks like it could do that. So I... This uh, verse about our eternal inheritance and the hope that the Holy Spirit seals and confirms for us really hits home for me differently now than it did a few months ago because I don't know about you, but what you've got your hope in for life, for your inheritance either here or in the world to come, um, it has to be in Jesus because there is just literally nothing else. Even if you put it into a house, we don't know what that's gonna look like in a few months' time. Nothing is secure apart from our King Jesus And so if you, like me, desperately need a reminder when things turn to poo, that our guaranteed inheritance is on its way. The Holy Spirit is here for that. God knew that we would question and doubt whether His inheritance, for us, His kingdom will ever come, especially when things get dark and hard and painful. Our inheritance is sure, but that doesn't mean that it feels like it. And I don't know for you, I mean, it's a silly story about a little bit of money that doesn't really matter in the scheme of things, but I'm sure that in this room are represented far greater disappointments in life right now that have probably knocked the wind out of you and made you question whether or not this kingdom is truly coming. God sent the Spirit to comfort and encourage us in just these seasons, to live within us and to give us the power, and we have none to live the lives that we are called to live now while we wait for Him. The Holy Spirit is why no matter what happens to us and around us, we can trust that God is going to do what He has said that He will do. He's here to remind you that in Christ, you are so blessed. Every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ. We are loved, we are redeemed, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit and so look forward to an inheritance that isn't going to be a risky one. It's one that will never end. So what should our response to these spiritual blessings this morning be? I think our response should be like Paul, one of praise and thankfulness. And this is because these spiritual blessings, like we've already talked about today, unlike the physical ones, cannot be wrenched out of our hands. Regardless of the realities that you're facing today or that will hit us in Australia in the months to come, At your lowest in life, not one of these blessings can be taken away from you. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter to encourage the Ephesians, so he certainly was not intending for us to think that circumstances are what these words and these truths rely on. Paul knew even when everything was stripped from him, he didn't know if he was going to live or ever get back out into his ministry with his friends, he knew that the good news of Jesus, he knew that his identity and redemption and future could never be taken from him. So this week, will you follow Paul's example? Will you mindfully choose each day to thank God for every spiritual blessing that He has given us? Will you pray and ask God to reveal if there is something else that is defining your identity more than who you are in Him? And if there is, will you instead lay that down in obedience and choose to live in the truth that you are God's beloved child? Will you lay down your addiction to striving for affirmation, your longing for acceptance from other people and instead put all of your trust in your adoption into God's family? Will you stop trying continually to measure up in your own strength and goodness, but instead live as one who is already forgiven and redeemed and loved? Will you lay down the burden of redeeming yourself and pick up and wear the lightness of God's completed work in Christ? And will you focus despite changing circumstances on the Holy Spirit's work within you, sealing and guaranteeing your inheritance in Jesus? As we respond with praise to the incredible blessings that God has given us, the way that He has richly blessed us, our gratitude leads us, I believe, in the direction of action. As a community here at Richmond, who have been so well known amongst uh, your movement and your community, will you ask God to reveal the significant role that you still have to play in His story? As people who focus on who we are in Christ, our lives have a purpose far outside of our own pleasure, our own satisfaction, our own safety and security. Our lives are here. uh, We are here to live for the praise of God's glory. And we must never forget that as followers of Jesus, we are blessed, not just for our own sakes. It's so easy to sit up here. I love talking about how we're blessed, how God's richly blessed me and He's made me alive with Him and redeemed me and give me all I need. I can be tempted to just stop there and sit in that, which is beautiful. But we are not meant to just receive those blessings. We're blessed, as Abraham was told, blessed to be a blessing to the world. And that's not just about, oh, well, you know, that's a little bit of what we do. We're meant to be such a conduit that God is constantly pouring out His blessings into us and we are open to receiving them. And then we're so besotted with Him, so filled up from the inside out that we can't help but speak about the way that the people in the street don't know yet that they've been blessed, don't know this eternal love that was there before the foundation of the world for them. When we know God's love, it overflows to the people around us. And my... My prayer for you is that God will continue to show you as a community what that looks like for you as a collective, what being Richmond Baptist looks like as people strongly rooted in the identity of being loved by God. So today, can this soak into your soul for who you are and what God has to say to you as His beloved children? Because there's an invitation for you. How will you let God's new identity change the way that you live nine to five before work, when you're tired and cranky after work? How will you let it change your activities that you've been doing subconsciously to strive? How will it change the way you relate to the people around you that you love, the people that drive you crazy, the people that annoy you at the supermarket? What difference will living free like this, living in Christ make to your life and the people that intersect with you? My prayer is that we'll make a deep impact and a deep difference. And this morning, would you stand with me? I'd love to pray for you as a community about what we've been um, reflecting on this morning. Loving God, thank you that you know the individual story of each person here. You know the highs that some of them are soaring on and you know those deep and dark places that some of us have been in, perhaps even right in this moment, certainly in recent days and weeks. Loving God, I pray for anyone whose mind is telling them that they are discounted from this truth. I pray against the enemy's lies, that uh, this eternal love that You have for us that I've spoken about doesn't really work for them, that the redemption wasn't quite enough for them because of what they've been through or what they've done. Lord God, I pray that You would open up each heart here to receive the truth that Your love is more powerful than any pain in our life, any brokenness and sin that we have intentionally contributed to this world, It is more powerful than any reality or any circumstance that is facing us now or will face us in the days and weeks to come. Holy Spirit, for every hustler and hard worker here, would You help them to unhunch their shoulders, to breathe deeply and know that You, their good Father, loved them before they were born and aside from any of their achievements. Lord God, Would you be with every single child here? Reaffirm who they are in their true identity as your beloved, chosen, included, redeemed children. Would you bring this identity to mind every time the world tries to drag them in another direction? Would you free them, get them off of that escalator, off of that treadmill in the wrong direction, Lord Jesus, towards Approval and instead set them free in a wide, expansive life where they are free to live out of their identity as your children. God, show us what it means to be in Christ as your beautiful mystery unfolds in your relationship with us. Help us to move past the ifs and buts of I haven't read my Bible much lately or I don't even remember to pray half the time. God, instead, would you meet us where we are? More love than we will ever know. And would your hope that is stronger than anything that we need, stronger than any circumstance, able to accomplish within us what you have planned, Lord Jesus. Would your hope overwhelm us? And would we live as freed people who bless the world around us? In Jesus' name, amen.